Welcome to the podcast. Every week I'll share leadership thoughts, books I'm reading, or tools I'm using to teach leadership skills. I believe everyone has influence. Every family, school, church, city, country is determined by its capacity for effective leadership. So let's jump in. Hey, welcome to the Leadership Podcast. This is part two of a of um, some thinking we began last time with uh, what Michael Novak, a Catholic philosopher, talked about with belief systems and convictions. And the 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 third level of of belief is public convictions, which is what I want people to believe that I believe. The second level is private convictions, which is what I want to believe, but I don't really believe it. When it becomes in- inconvenient for me to believe it, then I give it up. But the the deepest level, the primary level of conviction that we want to get to that drives us and gets expressed in our behavior is what he called core convictions, core beliefs. And, uh, you know, the, the faith, a true conviction, is when you come to believe with your body. So your body goes toward what you say you believe with your mind, and it causes you to act on it. So one of the things, as a leader whose leader is, is Jesus Christ, then uh I, I, he gives me a true north on what to align my life with so that I develop true convictions about his teachings. And as a leader, I, I'm, I'm aware that some people who listen to this are not Christ followers, but you got to have a leader or leaders who guide you in creating core convictions. Now, my faith in Christ is to the level where I trust that what he said, to my understanding, I can trust in is what works in life. At the end of the day, to be a Christ-following leader is to believe truly that he was the smartest person who ever lived. We sometimes spiritualize following Christ like it's this ephemeral, abstract, spiritual, humming journey of deep spirituality. In reality, it's believing he's the smartest man who ever lived. He knew what life was more than anyone else who ever lived. So I want to align my life through experiences to practice what he said so that I can develop core convictions. So think about it. He said, do not judge or you too will be judged. Now I like to think I believe that, but sometimes my mouth says otherwise and I can become too easily critical. But I've learned over time that you reap what you sow when it comes to judgment. If you're harsh and critical to other people, that typically what goes around comes around, they're going to be harsh and critical with you. And I've come to believe a a conviction that that's true. And when I act contrary to that, my system alerts me to that. And, And so that's good. He said, the one who is greatest among you be the servant of all. If you gave me a test about servanthood, I would mark that as true. Absolutely true. But... Sometimes my strategic slowness at home with the remote control reveals my true convictions. So I'm not there yet. I'm not always there yet. I can, I can be reticent to make myself vulnerable in servanthood with my family in particular sometimes. He said, do not worry. His eyes on the sparrow. He watches over you too, leader. Now, 
that makes for a great song, but my adrenal system sometimes doesn't buy it when I'm discomforted, when what I consider to be the basis for my identity is threatened, and I can worry. And so I'm still not there yet. He said it's more blessed to give than to receive. I can say that, but does my wallet scream something else? So faith is when you come to believe with your body what you say you believe with your mind. It literally is. It's not, you know, don't let following as a leader, following Jesus as your leader, be something that's hard to understand. It's not. It's when your body actually does what you say you believe. So we have what we say we believe, we have what we think we believe, and then we have what we reveal we really believe by our actions. You and I never violate our idea of the way we think things are, never. You and, I's, you and I always live out our mental map of beliefs. You and I are always living at the mercy of our ideas about the way things really are. And God arranges our life and faith in such a way that you get the faith you want. You want no faith, that's what you'll get. You want a public convey faith or a faith that is private and convenient, that's what you'll get. But if you want to lead out of a core, true north conviction, what you profess publicly, that is the type of faith you will get. And the great thing about Christ and why I trust in him is there was perfect congruence between what he said he believed and what he did. And this is, again, of the infinite ways in which his life, death, and resurrection show what a leader can be. Uh, this is another example that he said all these things, and boy, then did he prove it at the end. He loved people while he was hanging on a cross. He, he forgave his tormentors while he was hanging on a cross. And, and uh, so, I mean, that's, that's the life of a leader, is living in such a way where you give the experiences necessary to show, I really believe this. This is really who I am. Core convictions will cost you. But the only way you'll know you have core convictions is you have to experiment. You have to try the things, for example, for a Christ-following leader that he said to do, you have to try the things that you say you believe. Uh, Dr. Lynn Anderson calls this a faith experiment. At some point, the faith journey has to begin, and sitting and brooding over faith will never make a, a true conviction follower out of anybody. Reading the right books, hanging out with the right people, making the decision to believe, that'll never make a true core conviction believer. You have to embark on your experiment of faith by doing what faith would do. Jesus said you will experience the truth and the truth will set you free. The only way to be a core conviction, what I say is aligned with who I am leader, is you have to become what Dr. Lynn Anderson calls a following learner. You experience the truth in your own life. You do what, in this case, Jesus says to do, and you experience the validity of it. And it's sort of like riding a bicycle. You can't watch a video or read a book about riding a bicycle. You got to get on a bike. You got to get the feel of it. Faith is never a noun. It's always a verb. It is action. It is a direction of life. And when we move in that direction, God begins to validate it. And so the, 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 one, the one area of opportunity you have as a leader is leadership doesn't allow the 
convenience of privacy, really, in living out your life. Your true beliefs are on display. And your deep convictions are always on display. Do they align? Is there congruency between what you say you believe and what you really believe if you want a life of core conviction? The time you have invested in that journey is irreplaceable. It is, it is something that can never be exchanged for a quick and easy fix. And so today I want to end this two-parter on walking you through the learning circle once again and giving you an example from my own life recently um, that speaks to this. So if you'll remember, the learning circle is our tool that if you'll draw a circle and then at the top of that circle, there is a horizontal line that connects with this and where the top of the circle meets that horizontal line is we put an X and that is that significant event that happens. So you're coming along in the linear you know, reality of life and you come to this significant event. And we say the learning circle is where in that significant event, you dig, you discuss, you discover, and you do. So if you think about that circle as four quadrants, the first quadrant is you dig into what happened. Okay, what was that really, really about? And then you have someone you discuss it with. And then you, you write down, what are my discoveries from that? And then what am I going to do about it? So recently I was looking at some, uh, and actually in the last few years, it's been the case for me in leadership, just inefficiencies, inadequacies, incongruencies I see between what we say are our core values as a, as a church and, and what really is happening. And through the last couple of years of process, I, uh, you know, I've been just analyzing things. Now, as many of you know, as a leadership position, I've been out of the daily leadership of Southbrook for almost eight years. I've been leading in just the high, real high level uh, vision, creation. But I began to have a conviction that having the leader removed from the operation of the organization doesn't work. And I began to see really unhealthy stressors in certain parts of the organization because I wasn't involved in things that the leader just has to be involved in. But I didn't want to jump back into it too easily. And I could probably be accused of taking too long to come to this core conviction that the leader has to be involved in some things, that that there was too much distance between myself and the organization. And so I began doing some reading on this and um, analyzing some things in our organization and um, knowing that in an organization like this, the buck stops with, with me to some extent and the team that I lead with, our vision team, I brought it to the vision team a while back and I said, here's, my, here's, here's my, some of my frustrations, here's some of my the convictions, conclusions I've come to, and they very pointedly said, you're spot on, and you've got to make changes. You've got to hold some accountability that's not being held. 
and that was all I needed to hear. We we concluded that we were going to do uh, a, an analysis of Patrick Lencioni's The Advantage, which is about organizational health, and we that was going to be our map, and we have begun implementing that as a roadmap to really true organizational health at the core of our organization, and we've begun that process. So digging for me was a few years. Discussing was actually uh, informally through asking people, including my wife, uh, what her evaluations were. And then discussing it with the vision team was very pivotal. And then, and then, you know, the, the discoveries at the end of the advantage, once I read that a while back, at the end of the, of the analysis that Patrick Lencioni gives on how to have organizational health, he says, none of that, this works without the leader. If the leader's not involved in regenerating an organization to have true health it won't work. And that was the final discovery for me to where now, you know, I have, what I have done is made an intentional reinvestment of my life in uh, some really grassroots level things that go on at Southbrook. We'll see whether that is going to bear fruit. I could say it's a core conviction. The leader needs to be involved I could tell you that I believe that to the extent that, uh, you know, that I'm going to do it, but only time will tell whether I really believe it and that it is a truth that the leader has to be involved for there to be organizational health. I'm looking forward to it, but I'll tell you, the leadership circle was invaluable to me through this process. I just literally have had a few years and then a few months, and then a few weeks, and then a few hours of multiple levels of going through dig, discuss, discover, and then do. And I would heartily recommend with your leadership that there is a season, if it's not now, there will be a season in which you'll have to do the same thing. I hope this has been helpful. It's been helpful to me to think through these processes. Until the next time on the Leadership Podcast, this is Charlie Mack. Thanks for listening. Tune in every week as we continue learning and growing in faith, in life, and leadership. And if this has been helpful to you, subscribe and spread the word. And I will talk to you next week.